Hello, I'm Amber Athey, The Spectator's Washington editor, and I'm here to encourage you to subscribe to The Spectator's American edition. If you visit spectator.us forward slash subscribe, you can get our print and digital edition for just $7.99 a month. This means you get unlimited access to our amazing website and we'll send you a beautiful 80-page monthly magazine. You'll also have access to our mobile app. Subscribe now at spectator.us forward slash subscribe. You won't regret it. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and now the Joe Biden presidency. We will be looking at how a 78-year-old president will change America and we'll be asking if normalcy, which is what he promised to bring, has returned to American politics? The answer, of course, is no. I'm joined today by Spectator World's deputy editor, Dominic Green, and we're going to be talking about the end of the war in Afghanistan. So, Dom, the, well, one of the forever wars uh, that Trump complained about so much but didn't end, um, is pretty much over now. America has withdrawn from uh, the base in Bagram. And there is the, I would say, all too predictable cries from the interventionists saying it's now going to become a terrorist haven and it will be you know, a lawless region that will cause America a lot of harm in the long run. And that we've let down, the, the West has let down Afghanistan. Do you think that's a fair criticism? I don't think it's at all a fair uh, and even sensible thing to say. As far as Afghanistan goes, it is like the Irish joke that if you want to get somewhere, I wouldn't start from here. But Afghanistan is the very last place on earth that uh, historical precedent would suggest that anything remotely resembling nation building could be accomplished. This was one of the lessons the British learned twice over to their expense in the 19th century and didn't seem to inform the United States as they went along with this act of mad folly. In part, of course, an act of mad folly driven by the democratic demand of the American people because after an enormity like 9-11, something had to be done. But, of course, the tangling of of anti-terrorism, nation-building and the American self-image produced this 20-year disaster whose final act we will probably see playing out in the next months as Kabul inevitably falls to the Taliban and we come full circle with absolutely nothing achieved. Has Biden or the Biden administration, has it surprised you that they have held to the course, they've held their course in withdrawing, given that we are about to probably see pretty bad scenes coming out of Afghanistan, there probably will be a humanitarian crisis? And do you think they will hold the course? I mean, I think I can quite imagine Biden suddenly saying, you know, this is America, we've got to show leadership and go back in there and fix the mess that we created. That certainly would have been the Biden of the 90s would have said that. Certainly would have. And and perhaps the Biden of 2021 would say something similar. I, I don't suppose he actually makes these policies, but whoever is doing it, and people say that Ron Klain is the, the man to go to, has a very subtle understanding of where the, the fissure within the wings of the Republican Party is, and that by taking on Trump's most popular policies 
and democratizing them with a big D, making them part of the Democratic Party's platform going into the midterms in 22 and beyond, that this is a very smart piece of domestic political maneuvering. I've no doubt that Joe Biden hasn't had some great change of heart. I'm absolutely convinced he hasn't even got an opinion about half of the things he reads from his cards. But this is an example of how Trump remade domestic politics in the US, drove things forward, for instance, like getting towards a withdrawal, and has now reshaped the Democratic Party's um, policies. But yes, it is going to produce uh, very bad visuals and atmospherics, rather like the ones which are, are coming out of Cuba, with an mm. administration saying, don't come. And is it, is it that Biden's sort of creating a new centre, a kind of politically correct America first policy at home and abroad. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's like Trump light, and, yeah. and it's a way of splitting uh, moderate voters and uh, aspirational voters who don't want to be associated with downwardly mobile, red cap, red blooded nationalism. It's a way of saying, yes, we've ticked all those Trumpy boxes without the culture war baggage that comes with it. And, and that could very well work if the Republicans do their part, of course, which is to play up the culture war side, which a lot of the people competing to inherit the tarnished crown of Donald Trump are doing. Mm. Well, it's also it's going against elite opinion, which I mean, it seems to be the only people who think that uh, staying on indefinitely in Afghanistan is a good idea are, you know, think tankers in Washington and people who work for newspapers and magazines. Oh, there's a lot of careers that have ridden on this for, for, for 20 years. And the idea that this would turn out into, into perhaps the most spectacular failure of American foreign policy, the double era of Afghanistan and then Iraq. Uh, and Iraq is, of course, the other shoe, which has yet to drop. Uh, the idea that anybody would actually be accountable for this is, of course, inconceivable. There will be a great effort to pretend that goals were achieved when they weren't. There'll be a, a great effort to prolong post-war uh, influence, and I don't imagine that any of it will be any more successful than, than the strategies of the last 20 years. Well, let's talk about the waste. I mean, obviously, there's a waste of life in war, always, but there's just the sheer financial waste is staggering, and we have a brilliant piece by Andrew Coburn in the edition that we just put to press, so uh, do subscribe if you're listening, and that is about the the numbers, just the staggering numbers, uh, the amount of money that was spent on kit, military hardware that just didn't work, just wasn't actually suitable for Afghanistan, and that the Pentagon had a special budget called an Overseas Contingency Operation Budget, so it's a sort of budget on top of the Pentagon budget. And as Andrew says, it's a bit like a police department charging extra for catching criminals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, it's, it is corruption, really, isn't it? That's the only way of... It is organised corruption, and... Um... You know, we were told, I mean, if you can cast your mind back into the mists of the early 21st century, we were told that part of the Machiavellian scheme of this was a kind of, um, you know, a disaster capitalism, a shock and awe economically, where we would force people to become captive markets for Western exports. This failed completely. There are, you know, there are no, there is no captive market in Afghanistan, even for military exports. The people who've been enriched by this are all in the United States. And as you say, they're, they're in this merging of corporate and lobbying and political power and that has even seeped into the bureaucracy so people will sign off on, on daft schemes like that. Yeah. And, of course, a very small number of, of congressmen represent districts which actually manufacture these weapons and equipment and so on. A very large number of people are, however, enriched by this kind of bureaucratic corporate conspiracy against the public. 
The Biden administration was keen to, uh, earlier in the year, seemed to be keen to mark the withdrawal or to do the withdrawal on September 11th, to mark 20 years and sort of seemed like a closing of a chapter. That seemed a bit cheesy and it seems like they've actually dropped that and now they've, they've gone a bit sooner. But, I mean, it is, it could be the end of a rather sorry chapter in American history, which is the war on terror. It is, and it's a chapter which has disgraced the experts and and the administrators in the eyes of the American public. It has embarrassed America and the world as a guarantor of stability because America became an agent of radical destabilization in the early 2000s. And, and we haven't seen the last of it. And it's probably just as well that they're not going to tie it into the anniversary of September the 11th, because you can guarantee that the Taliban would show up at Kabul on September the 10th in order to get you know the headlines and the footage, because there is going to be a nasty aftermath. And talking of which, the closing episode of the Iraq mess is still to come. The United States is at, under attack from Iranian-sponsored militias and is therefore faced with a choice, really, between becoming involved in a, in a further iteration of a daft war or literally walking away with the tail between the legs. We had quite an interesting post on, on Spectators World website the other day about how Twitter still allows Taliban spokesmen to sort of applaud acts of terrorism on Twitter. But Donald Trump, of course, is banned, which is an extraordinary thing is it not well it is and, and i would link link that to the deterioration of of the uh, climate of, of liberty in the united states that the surveillance of the population the the high-tech surveillance in particular very quickly morphs in, in from government and state security to private companies and what we have seen is that social media have replaced print media obviously and it's not as if print media were immune to political pressure before but the social media companies are unusual in the, the haste with which they volunteered to be the policemen of what can and can't be said yes and as jen psaki uh, made clear they're, they're now the government now sees its role to flag problematic content on Facebook to Facebook. I think we'll have to circle back on that. Well, another criticism that people are going to make as America withdraws is that it's leaving the region open to China and that China will now be the policeman of the world in the Middle East. Is that something to worry about? I mean, it's easy for us two Brits to sit here criticising America for being such a bad policeman in the world. It's more of a moral actor, I'd say, on the world stage than China is. Well, if, if I was one of President Biden's advisers, I would suggest that the best he could possibly do was to invite China to jump both feet forward into the place that, that as uh, your editorial in this great new issue says... <laughs> Is, We're selling hard, and right? I hope you've subscribed already. Um, <laughs> as you said, it is a graveyard of empires, yeah. and there is a great mood of belligerence towards China. Uh, and of course, the the COVID nineteen pandemic and who gets blamed for it has intensified that. But the United States um, has all kinds of of advantages still, and it needs to work them to its advantage with a cool head. And and tying China in a knot in Afghanistan is not going to, I feel, be a great loss to the United States, and even has gains. You interviewed former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about China and uh, America's attempt to isolate it. Do you think the Biden administration has carried on the work that Pompeo did? Do you think they are going against it? I mean, Pompeo didn't get out, get us out of Afghanistan, and perhaps he, he never would have done. It's quite true. There was a big institutional push against uh, Trump's determination to leave, and Pompeo coming out of the CIA uh, and, and the consensus about these things would have wanted to go slow. The Biden administration, I think, is doing 
the most and the, le the least that it can do on these questions, that it genuinely understands, I think, that we have passed a watershed. There is a strong popular mood in the US and support for these Trump-era era policies of onshoring the supply chains, rebuilding the industrial base. On the other hand, Biden is... Hunter Biden certainly seems to be much more beholden to interests of the kind that Donald Trump, being very rich and independent, wasn't beholden, could actually say things aloud that other, that other presidents couldn't. So how much of this really translates is going to be a key question in the next two or three years. And in fact, last week when the administration announced a, an executive order against uh, monopoly, well, this is, I mean, the essence of Trumpism. And if the, if the Democrats really follow that through, that would be a, a transformation of not just the relations between the government and people. It would also be a transformation of how business is done, and it would open up all kinds of economic opportunity after decades of homogenization. So they're talking the talk. Uh, but whether they and how much of the walk they walk is a, is a good question. But walking away from Afghanistan is absolutely the obvious and, and very popular thing to do. We'll end it there. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of Americano. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating, preferably five stars, and a review.